Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing Near Wild Heaven, the third episode of season two, which was written by Chad Fiveash and James Stodero, directed by Greg Prage, and originally aired on October 5th, 2004. Jeremy, we have another review. What? Yes. I did not know this. I did not plan for this to be talked about in the intro at all. Please. (laughs) So we got a review from our listener, Jenna Lee, on Stitcher. The headline says, I found my people. And her review reads as follows. I was so excited to find this podcast a few weeks after it started. I watched OTH during its original airing. And while I've had friends who love it, I have only had one who is as big a fan as me. And even she didn't dissect it as much as I do. I am loving rewatching as I listen to Caitlin and Jeremy and love the discussions it prompts. I find myself taking notes as I watch the episode and as I listen to the podcast so I remember all the thoughts I want to post on their Instagram. I found my people and it's so good to have an outlet for my insane fandom after all these years. They are so funny and dedicated and this is such a blast to listen to every week. I especially love diving into the literary quotes, the music, and the lyrics of the song that the episode is named after. This podcast covers all the bases. Thanks, you two. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I'm getting a little choked up. <laughs> so, such a nice review. I know I've read it before recorded this, which is like hearing you like read out the words. I'm like getting a little bit choked up because Jenna Lee, we, we, we know Jenna Lee. Jenna Lee is amazing. We always like really appreciate all of her comments on our Instagram and our Twitter and everything. I know. I love reading her reactions to each episode. Yeah, it's it's so, so appreciated, and I can't even begin to, like, thank her enough for being such a loyal supporter. Since day one, I would even say, right? Yeah. <laughs> Early on in the, the season, for sure. Exactly. So, it's just, it's greatly appreciated, and we just, Jenna Lee, we really appreciate your support. Thank you so, so much for everything. Thanks, Jenna Lee. As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Tim wants to order strippers for Nathan's bachelor party, so Brooke decides to plan a bridal shower for Haley. As a bachelor party is getting started, police officers see the guys carrying a keg up to Nathan's apartment. Tim gets arrested because he believes the officers are actually strippers, and he says inappropriate things to them. Once the party is over, Tim's stripper finally shows up at Nathan's and tries to seduce him. Nathan isn't interested, despite her advances, and instead plays video games with her and waits for Haley to come home. Meanwhile, the bridal shower, but really a bachelorette party, kind of kind of weird, but you know, it, it's a thing, is in full swing and also involves a stripper. Brooke rents a party bus for the girls to be chauffeured around all night to a lingerie fashion show, strip dancing lesson, and then a mechanic, quote unquote, comes to fix the broken down party bus, only for said mechanic to be a stripper too. At the end of the night, Brooke's credit cards get declined, so all of the girls have to do dishes in the back of the strip club to settle the $1,000 bill. Yikes. In other news, when Lucas visits Dan at the hospital, Dan actually apologizes to him for everything. Dan asks him to put papers in his lockbox at work, and Lucas is surprised to find pictures and news clippings of him as a kid. Clearly, Dan cared more about Lucas than he originally let on. Lucas tells Dan that things he found in the lockbox don't change things between them. 
But Dan says he hopes their future can be different. Nathan and Lucas also have a talk about Dan. Nathan tells Lucas he understands that he has to figure out his relationship with Dan on his own terms, but he doesn't want Dan to get between them again. The adults also have some important decisions to make. Dan's doctor tells him he needs physical therapy and that it will be a long road to recovery. Dan tells Deb that he wants to recover at home, but Deb is unsure if that is the best thing for her. Finally, Keith tells Karen that he's having a hard time being around her right now, while Karen just wants them to go back to how they used to be. Ready to party like it's 2004, I'm Caitlin Elenich. And being duct taped to a desk chair and having my squirrely little ass pushed down the street into a bunch of trash cans, I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. (laughs) (laughs) What was with that scene? I I don't know. I mean, I hate the problematic saying boys will be boys, but that's, that's all I can say about that. I know. The one that I loved is that they actually drew targets on Mouth's, like, body. Like, why did they have to do that? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It was a really kind of strange scene. (laughs) And I kind of forgot about it. Like, I never really paid much attention to it before. And I'm like, this is weird. (laughs) And then having Haley be like, I'm so next. It's just so funny. As long as Mouth is into it, having fun, you know what? That's that's great. (laughs) Yeah, they seem like they were having a grand old time there. For sure. So today's episode is titled after the R.E.M. song, Near Wild Heaven. What were your thoughts, Jeremy? (laughs) (laughs) I love how you look like, wow. (laughs) Anyway. I I didn't have many thoughts about the song. I know you had some more... More of an analysis than I did. <laughs> yeah, which is, as, as you said before we started recording, like, we keep flip-flopping, like, there's there's songs that, like, you have a lot to say, and I'm like, I don't know. And then this week, I'm like, I have the analysis, and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Good balance here. Um, So, the song is obviously about the beginning of the end of a relationship, and I feel like this uh, could this concept could be applied literally to Keith and Karen. They're not in a romantic relationship, but it seems like their friendship is starting to come apart because of Keith's feelings for her and everything like that. We also see Deb and Dan. There seems to be weird things going on between the two of them, even though Dan wants to move back home. And um, it also seems like Dan and Deb are trying to get between Nathan and Haley right now. Who knows what's going to happen there? And I'm not necessarily saying this is the beginning of the end for Nathan and Haley, but who knows? We don't know what's going to happen with the show. So yeah, I thought it could be applied literally in that way. But also, I feel like for Nathan and Haley, this song could mean like the complete inverse. So for example, the first verse, the lyrics are, Whenever we hold each other, we hold each other. There's a feeling that's gone. Something has gone wrong. And as as I said before, like the song's about like, you know, they're obviously talking about like the field of happiness. That's gone when you hold me. But maybe for Nathan Haley, it could be the exact opposite. Like, hey, when you hold me, like, I don't feel hurt anymore. I don't feel sad anymore. I actually do feel loved. And that's what Nathan Haley feels towards each other. Wow. You really dug deep in this episode or in this song. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you have a valid point because I was thinking of the how the song is about the end of, like, a relationship, basically. And or falling out of love. And, you know, this whole episode is about, like, celebrating the couple, but some of the other, like, secondary couples going on in this episode, like Karen and Keith, Deb and Dan, I think it's really relevant to what they're going through, for sure. 
Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 sometimes like I feel like hard to notice all these like little things that are going on because the episode is in general pretty fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's party time, you know? <laughs> so I feel like it's hard to like, you know, pinpoint like those exact moments. But sometimes you get, I get my analytic brain working and I'm like, look at this. What is this? <laughs> and hey, they may have just chosen the song because of the title has wild in it. And this is like a wild episode. <laughs> so... <laughs> And they're in heaven because yeah. strippers and parties and yay. But are you ready for me to ruin this episode for all of you, though? <laughs> are you ready for me to ruin like this really happy, fun episode? I'm sure you are. Oh, boy. I <laughs> I know there's some issues with it for sure. <laughs> this is going to be the episode that everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, this fucking SJW podcast. I need to fucking shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's what most people are going to say if they haven't already said it. Honestly, if you've listened this far, I'm like, you know, you don't like that type of commentary. uh, What are you even doing with your life? That's all I got (laughs) to (laughs) say. So I figure it's safe to talk about this. Um, First off, uh, Caitlin, I noticed that you said uh, bridal shower, but really a bachelorette party. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Okay, so what is the difference between a bridal shower and a bachelorette party? So... The way I see it is that the bridal shower celebrates the couple and basically everyone comes with gifts to celebrate the bride specifically, but the gifts are usually for the couple. And what kind of gifts are usually given? Uh, They're usually like for the home. Okay. Kitchen stuff. I don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah. It it usually is for the home. Yeah. And why are those gifts given (laughs) to the women? Yep. Why are those gifts given to the women? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, what I'm getting at with all this... The patriarchy. Is, <laughs> That's <yep>. what. <laughs> so, what I'm getting at with this, though, is that usually bridal showers are meant to help the bride become a better wife. So that's why you get stuff like kitchenware or like, you know, pots and pans and whatnot, because you know what? You're a better wife if you're in the kitchen, you know? Because mm-hmm. group showers are a thing, but you notice they're not as popular, right? Yeah, I don't I don't know of any. Yeah, they really aren't. Um, and I feel like, you know, in a way, this technically is a little bit of a bridal shower, because think about it, like... You know, they get um, Haley some sexy lingerie. Again, so she can be a sexy wife for Nathan. Teach her pole dancing lessons. So she can be a sexy pole dancer for her husband. You know what I mean? So, like, it is a fun way, but it's still trying to make her into a better wife in a way. Oh, my gosh. So before you, I knew where you were headed when we started <laughs> to talk about that. The bridal shower and, like, making oh God. making the gifts help the wife, basically. Be mm-hmm. a better wife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So I really saw where you're headed with that. And that's kind of just blowing my mind because I didn't even, I didn't think about it in that way, but it's true. Because like on the surface, this episode is like a bachelorette party because it's fun. It's, you know, look, your her last night out as a single woman, even though she's already married. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just for the purposes of the party. Yeah. Her last mm-hmm. night out. And same with Nathan with his bachelor party. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I could see how Brooke, Brooke set it up so that basically these were lessons for Haley the whole night. Yeah. And what did, what did Nathan do all night? He got to like, you know, have fun with the stripper and play video games and drink beer. 
that was what they all did together. <laughs> so it just kind of makes you think like a guy's site versus a girl's site type of deal. Like look, look at the different contexts behind these parties. Because it wasn't just in Haley's, it wasn't just fun. There was yeah. like, <laughs> she was being educated basically. <laughs> Yeah, and the the big thing about Nathan is like, oh, he educated himself because you know what? He didn't cheat with the stripper. Oh my God, you're such a good guy. Like, what, what? <laughs> you know? I feel like that was like the big turning point right there for Nathan mm-hmm. right there. But it's kind of icky how that's sort of presented. Also, I have a lot to say about like how um how the women are objectified versus how the men are objectified in this one too. Because I mean, if you think about it, with the lingerie fashion show that they all have at the um in the store. You notice, like, the camera angles are really, like, focusing on the women's bodies. Definitely. You know? In, like, an objectifying type of way. Which, that's not necessarily always a bad thing. However, like, look at how the stripper is presented at the bachelorette party, for example. For one thing, the guy isn't even wearing a thong. He's just wearing very loose boxers. And he's more presented for, like, comedic effects, as opposed to actually, like, looking sexy. You know? Yeah. So it just makes you think, like, you know, this is obviously created by a heterosexual man because of, like, how the women are presented in in a bachelorette party, which is supposed to be for, like, the women and everything like that, versus how the the one male stripper is presented. Yeah, because the male stripper is basically, yeah, he's in costume. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, there's a twist. He's not a mechanic. (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) It's presented for comedic effect, and he's not even wearing, like, sexy underwear. I'm not saying, like, he's not an attractive guy. I'm just saying, like, he's not presented in a sexualized way. Yeah. Meanwhile, the women, they're constantly sexualized, you know? I think, yeah, the fact that these two parties are, you know, we see them side by side, there are differences. You know, I didn't really think about it in that way. Are you, aren't you glad you're, I ruined this episode for you? <laughs> you're blowing my mind right now. I, I'm kind of at a loss of words. <laughs> you're you're welcome, but also I am sorry. <laughs> I know, but like when you start to think about stuff like this, not even just in this episode, just like in our society in general, mm-hmm. you're so used to these things, you just accept them. Until you really think about like the root of them, <laughs> like the bridal, exactly. like the bridal shower, and also to you know to put more of a real world spin on it because we're talking about society. Like you notice how like Tim treats like the police officers when they come into the party. Oh, I didn't like that at all. Yeah, he automatically thinks that they're strippers, and it's presented in, like a funny way. But like you know, but like how he immediately like slap you know okay, assume they're strippers, whatever. Like you can do that, but how he immediately like slaps their asses and everything like that. Even for one thing, I you would never agree do that. With to that. I, yeah, like you can't do that to anyone. I don't care if you're a stripper or not. Like you can't do yeah. that when someone's immediately walking in. And you're not allowed to do that to a real stripper either. Yeah. Like, you, you're, you would you would be kicked out, you know? I know they're not, like, at a strip club or anything like that, but you don't do that to a real stripper. You're not even technically allowed to touch a stripper. Yeah. So, and it just kind of makes me think about, like, how the, I mean, not to get into, like, really icky territory, but the creator of the show, we all know, would inappropriately grab, like, women on the set. Which makes me think, like, this is a real-world reflection right here. Like, the people who are in the writer's room think that this is okay. This is something that's okay to do, and it's not okay to do. Yeah, I mean, that's really true. And I feel like 
they put Tim in that place, it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. And it kind of is when he's in the cab, but, like, when he's touching them and saying all those things, when everyone else is figuring out, like, these are cops. <laughs> like, yeah, it just exactly. goes over Tim's head. And he's in the cop car, and he still thinks, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. He says, I can see your thong, Fox, Foxy Brown. And all the guys are, like, laughing. Which, I mean, like, it is funny in a sense, like, how idiotic he is. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like... I feel like the guy should, like, step in and be like, hey, you don't talk to women like this. <laughs> you know? This is not okay. It really isn't. You know, I wouldn't even expect them to jump in and say that. They should. Right. But in this era, 2004, I definitely not expecting yeah. it. Yeah, oh, for sure not. And I feel like back then, I didn't even think about it either, because I'm like, oh, this is, you know, funny. But looking back on it now, I'm like, you know what? No, men should not be like this, and it's not okay. No, it is not okay. But <laughs> that was like a really cringeworthy scene. Like the whole Tim mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And don't even get me started about how it starts off. The episode starts off with him ordering a stripper. And he's like, Thai, Mexican, Chinese is always good. And I'm like, now you're getting into racial fetish- fetishization. Uh-huh. It's not cool. Oh my goodness. And also, let's bring up the fact that these are teenagers. And I know Tim's brother, who I guess is older, was ordering them for the party. Yeah. (laughs) Still? Like, these are teenagers? And, like, I don't get how... Ugh. They really are making them adults. And that's, that's the issue with, like, a lot of teen dramas in general. Like, they really are made... You're made to believe they're adults. And they are put in situations like this that, like, realistically, this is not going to happen. This isn't even legal. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) I remember when I was in, I'm pretty sure you probably thought this way, too. But, like, you know, when I was in high school, like, watching this stuff, I'd be like, oh, this is the kind of stuff I should be doing as a teenager, but I'm not. (laughs) And I'm like, reality, no teenagers are doing this at all. No. Let's clarify. Absolutely not. And if you are a teenager uh, getting lap dances and stuff from strippers, I hope you know there's problems with that that I'm not necessarily going to unpack here on this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like this is a much larger conversation than we can cover (laughs) in our One Trio podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Which we are not equipped to do that. (laughs) But one final note about the parties. I find it's funny how the previous episode in 202, they had a party for them both, for Nathan and Mm -hmm. Haley. And now, like, this episode, the very next episode is the Bachelor and Bachelorette parties. It's kind of wild. And they're teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) And they're teenagers. Let's also not forget the teenagers got married, too. Like, there's a a lot here. (laughs) There really is a lot here. Like, you just had a party for them. And now you're doing this. Oh my goodness. I I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot. Um I know you said that was a one final note, um, but I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might not be. <laughs> I wanna make it very clear that the um the stripper who tries to sleep with Nathan, uh Simone, her name is Simone, uh, real sex workers would not do this. They <laughs> <laughs> They would not. I mean, they are 100% there to, like, you know, to get paid, uh, do what they're 
essentially told to do in that instance, and then leave. And her doing that is kind of, I feel like it kind of enforces the idea of, like, how sex workers, whether you're a stripper or whatever, um, anybody in that sort of industry, you're sort of, like, sexualized to believe that you're, like, this ideal, like, male fantasy, and... That's why I kind of took issue with that. I'm like, this is not going to happen in real life. Trust me. Yeah, I I was kind of thinking that too. How, yeah, this woman was like even further sexualized, basically. Yeah. It kind of supports like what people's perceptions are of strippers. Like what they'll do behind closed doors or whatever. Yeah. It buys into that idea. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like strippers are people who are just trying to work at the end of the day. I'm sure if, like, you know, if this is a real stripper, she'd be like, okay, like, I'm... She did offer to Nathan, like, hey, are you sure you don't want to dance? Like, I'm already paid for. Like, do you want to do, you know, do you want to do this? Like, okay, fine. But she would not take off her clothes and then go and sleep with him, you know? No. Yeah. It's, and he's a teenager! It's <laughs> There's that, too, yeah. And he's a teenager! It just keeps coming back to that again and again and again and again. I mean, to, you know, to, to be a little bit fair, I guess, on Simone's part, she was probably told that, like, they were older. Yeah. I mean, come on, you're going to somebody's apartment. Yep. And to somebody who's getting married, you probably think they're at least in their 20s, at the very least. Yeah, for sure. That is a valid point. But still, icky, ew. Oh, Just like gosh. how they were watching a sex tape of Tim's stepmom. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So wrong. I did not like the part where Nathan's coworker Gary said, Yo, dude, your mom's a slut. I'm like, Oh, she's a slut because she's having sex? Like, okay, like, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there is. I think we ruined the episode. (laughs) 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 The more we talk, the more I keep thinking, like, you know what? I'm going to keep lowering my rating even more and more. And what else? I also didn't like how Haley said, if we're going to have a skanky hoe in this place, at least it should look nice. And I'm like, Haley, like, and, and I get that's probably stemming from like Haley's insecurities about a stripper being at the apartment. Okay, that is fair. But don't call her a skanky hoe. I feel like they like that phrase. I feel, That's not the first time we've heard that phrase. For real, yeah. It's There was definitely another <sighs> episode. <laughs> probably, yeah. And there'll probably be more. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Why not? <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts about the parties? <laughs> um, on a wholesome note, I really like the moment that Brooke had, uh, or that Brooke, Peyton, and Haley had at the in the kitchen. So we find out that Brooke's cards they get declined, and she ha- they have to all do dishes and whatnot to try to pay the bill. <laughs> and I love that Brooke's like, you guys totally have the whole Nick and Jessica thing going on, just without the Sakurazzi and the chickeny tuna. <laughs> <laughs> Which... I laughed at that too. <laughs> Which, uh, children, if you do not understand that reference, they're the, one of the most iconic couples from this era, uh, Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson, they were together. They had a show on MTV, a reality series called Newlyweds, Nick and Jessica. And one of the most iconic scenes is one where Jessica Simpson is eating a can of Chicken of the Sea brand tuna. And she looks at the label and she's like, it says Chicken of the Sea. So she's like, Nick, am I eating tuna or am I eating chicken? And the whole entire conversation is like her just being confused about the fact that she's confused about whether she's eating tuna or eating chicken. (laughs) 
and <laughs> it's it's iconic and but it's also like you, you, those references are funny but the fact that they're just referring to Nick and Jessica <laughs> who got divorced <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you and don't a few Nathan... years later they did get divorced yes <laughs> you don't want right. Nathan and Neely to be to Nick and Jessica that is true <laughs> but they didn't know that at that time they did not Oh, I really love those two together. That was, like, one of my favorite couples. And, you know, th- they both seem to be happy right now. Um, and I'm happy for them. But I really did love those two together at the time. Oh, man. It feels, that reference just feels so dated. <laughs> it's just so dated. We really are in the mid-2000s. I know, but that makes it so great yeah, and so funny. <laughs> um, But anyway, so, like, after that, they... Haley's like, yeah, well, I guess I can't really help it if I found the guy I want to be with for my first time out. Isn't that what it's all about? If we're not out there looking for the one we want to be with forever, then what are we doing? And then Brooke's like, having fun? And then Haley says, oh, love is fun. This kind of love is, anyway. And then she's like, actually, I'd like to go home to be with my husband, if you don't mind. And I just think that's so cute. Yeah, that was a really cute moment. And I love the expressions on specifically Peyton's face, but I probably Brooks too. They were so surprised by what Haley said. Yeah. And then later on you see Brooke being you know, talking to Peyton and she's like, Are you, do you think that's really the point of all this? You know, and it, it, it's just such a great like contemplative moment. And it's a great moment for Brooke. It is because I think it reveals a lot about like their past, you know, and what what both of them, Peyton and Brooke, have experienced. Wasn't really fun love. In the end, that's how mm-hmm. it didn't end up that way, at least. Right, exactly. That was a nice little wholesome moment. Yeah, I agree. That was a nice way to end the end the night. So I want to move on to less wholesome moments. <laughs> sure, I think we tackled the parties pretty in the shower, the bridal shower. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I found the Lucas and Dan scenes were particularly interesting in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we got to see them in a way, like see them interact in a way that we haven't yet. And specifically the fact that Dan, well, he actually apologizes for everything, which this is the whole Phoenix effect. He's like, just his demeanor is just so much different than it usually is. He's like calm and reflective and ugh, he's so undan-like, you know? Mm-hmm. So that apology... That's a big thing for him to say to Lucas. That's like a really big moment. It really is. To acknowledge all that he's done in the past. Or not done. (laughs) I wonder if it's genuine. Yeah. And I really am asking that question too because I don't remember what happens after this. So, (laughs) is it genuine? (laughs) Time will tell. That's for sure. But the whole lockbox thing was super interesting. Like he... Got Dan got Lucas to go open that lockbox. Yeah, and was he expecting Lucas to find those? I'm genuinely asking this. I think so. Yeah. Makes me feel kind of icky, honestly. I'm like, hmm. Why couldn't he just say it? You know, he had to show it somehow. He had to make Lucas somehow find those photos. Yeah. Which I wouldn't know. How does Dan have school photos of Lucas anyway? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> because it doesn't seem like... Karen and Dan were speaking, so. <laughs> yeah. 
unless they had like a respectful relationship like karen was like hey here's pictures of your son which i mean like that's kind of admirable but still i don't know i, I like the headcanon that like dan stole them or something <laughs> which is you know I just like to make Dan worse and more problematic than he already is, you know? <laughs> he could have. He very well could have. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him, honestly. Yeah. And also, uh, Dan asks Lucas that he wants to he wants help with rehab, which that's a really great loaded thing to say, like, hey, I need your help. Like, can you help me with this? Right after you apologize Why? for everything. It's like yeah. Lucas doesn't owe him anything at all. Right. It is kind of a it's a loaded question and And it is kinda of weird because, you know, uh Nathan and Dan are kind of on the outs right now. So this hymen is really weird. it's really weird. <laughs> because like Keith is working at the dealership now, and now Lucas is helping Nathan get the job at the dealership. And Lucas is becoming closer with Dan. It's like they're swapping. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Yeah, and who knows? Like maybe, um, maybe Nathan and Keith will form a relationship too, because now Nathan is working under Keith, which I think is really adorable. It is. And again, I have no idea if anything forms from this because I don't remember anything. I'm just gonna keep reiterating that my goldfish memory does not remember. <laughs> I mean, we haven't really seen much many scenes with them at all. Mm-hmm, for sure, we don't know their relationship really. So, yep, that could be potentially really interesting. Yeah, it could be. Yes. And, I, you know, Nathan and Lucas also had an interesting scene this episode. Nathan, you know, he doesn't want Dan to be- come between them. Which, yeah, he's definitely come between them in the past. That was, like, how this whole show started. The tension mm. between these two brothers because the father chose one over the other. And now, like, Lucas, yeah. it's so weird to see Lucas and Nathan still. You know, it's been a while, but they're still on good terms. Uh, I mean, it's it's nice to see, to see that. Yeah. The two of them are acknowledging that, like, hey, we have a new relationship right now, and our father has gotten in between us, but let's not let that happen. Like, let's try to, like, push forward without him. And maybe, you know, Dan's a new personality. <laughs> maybe that will end up being a good thing. Who knows? We will see. <laughs> yeah. But more a little bit on Dan's uh, whole recovery, though. So he wants to go home with Zeb to complete his physical therapy. That's interesting. Yeah, because in the previous episode, he said he was going to sign the divorce papers. So now he wants to go back home with Deb. I feel like, what's going on there? And of course, Deb is feeling guilty about the whole thing. She's like, okay, like, should I do it? Should I? I don't know. know? And then Karen gives her that advice to do what's right for her. And in the end, it looks like Deb is, I mean, she's taking Dan home. So it it looks like she'll be helping him. Mm. And this is the type of cycle that you can get into with an abusive relationship because, you know, your partner is treating you well right now. It's like, oh, like, Lena, let's have everything's going to be okay right now. And, you know, it seems like Deb is conflicted. But at the end of the night, she is, like, getting involved in that cycle. I don't blame her for that, just to clarify. But, you know, it makes me feel a little bit sad for her. They need to get divorced. I don't don't care who Dan is now. I mean, he can change if he wants to change, but they need to get divorced. Deb needs Mm -hmm. to move on. I mean, she can help him a little bit, maybe, as he's just getting home. But, yeah, she's got to get out of there. Yeah. That's my thought. Oh, for sure. But it also seems like they're going to team up to try to split Nathan and Haley apart. 
I know, because that conversation about, like, she was talking to the lawyers and they can't really do anything. Yeah, they can't do anything illegally. (laughs) Which is a very pointed, like, reference right there. What is on her mind? And Dan even addresses it. He's like, well, like, that sounds like something I would say. That's not what he actually says, but (laughs) he might as well have. I know, and Dan, he, he said in that conversation that, like, reality will basically kick in, and the kids will, you know, they'll realize that they made a mistake in the end. And then Deb, you know, she countered and said, well, how do we know that? How do they know they're going to, we're going to, they're going to realize it. But at the same time, Deb and Dan know what a young marriage, like getting married young, they know what that's like. Mm-hmm. So I, I get their perspective that things were hard. Yeah. They have a very valid perspective on the situation, though. So what is going to happen? Are they going to turn out to be right? Is history going to repeat itself in Tree Hill? Hmm. Find out (laughs) in eight seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then, so we also have Karen and Keith. Yes, it broke my heart when when we see Keith, like, with a coffee cup that's not from Karen's cafe. (laughs) He's cheating on her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's real it, it is really sad though like you know when the camera like pans right there i don't even know if i'm using that term correctly i'm sorry like you know filmography people like the, the camera goes in the direction of the coffee cup <laughs> and so i'm like oh it's not garrett's cafe and you see the look of sadness on her face it was an aw- it was really awkward <laughs> yeah but Keith admits later on that he has a hard time being around karen and says he needs to cut karen out of his life which uh it makes sense. It really does. Like, you know, Keith should protect himself, and I completely get that. But I still feel bad for Karen. I do, because Keith, he's hurt by what happened, and he wants to move on. He even says that. Like, he feels like moving on is the best thing to do. But see, Karen, she has, like, the opposite. I don't know. Her experience with the whole, thing, you know, proposal is different, because she wasn't hurt by it. She didn't want to get married. So she just wants to go back to being friends because that's all they ever were. But Keith has these deep feelings for her and it's hard. Like, how do you move past that? Someone you've been pining for for so many years since you were a kid, basically, and that you're rejected by them. I don't blame him for wanting to just, like, separate himself from Karen because it's hard. Exactly. The parents have a lot of drama. Yeah. Just as much as the kids. At the same time, (laughs) At the same time, though, and I, I'm going to contradict myself, I'm like, why did it take Keith 17 years to make a move? And I feel like we talked about this before, but come on, <laughs> you know? Yeah, what what changed, like, at the beginning of where the show started, like, in the very beginning of season one? Like, what changed then that wasn't happening for 17 years, you know what I mean? Like, he had those feelings the whole time. Like, was mm-hmm. it the right moment or, like... He felt like she was reciprocating finally. Because there was there was something going on there. Right, for sure. I don't know. I think Karen was hyper-focused on Lucas, and maybe Keith didn't really feel like she had room for a relationship. I don't think Karen even thought she had room for a relationship in her life. She was a single mom, struggling. She's a business owner. She has no support yet from Dan. So, that's a lot. True. <laughs> yeah. And maybe Keith was honestly just, like, content with what he had. Mm-hmm. And then maybe he kept, like, uh, burying his true feelings for the whole situation. And maybe, yeah, all along he didn't want to ruin it. And look what happened. He was honest. 
And it did ruin it. So his fears, mm-hmm. you know, they came true. And then proposed to her without even asking her on a date. Yeah, like... that was the wrong decision. But <laughs> he could have approached that a lot differently. He made a mistake For there. Real. But still, his fears did come true that he would be rejected and their friendship would be ruined. And Exactly. I'm pulling for them, though. I really am. Same, same. Maybe maybe Keith will stick around in Tree Hill. I mean, it seems like he's running the dealership for at least temporarily, so. Yep. Maybe he'll move back to Charleston in the next episode. <laughs> and then move back to Tree Hill in the next one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just go there for a few hours and come right back. <laughs> and then maybe Lucas will come with him and get another haircut. This time it'll be, like, completely shaved bald. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this coda. So the song is uh, Kill by Jimmy Eat World. So what we see during this whole little montage, we see Lucas tell Karen he's not going to work at the dealership, but instead he wants to work at the cafe while Karen attends college. Then we see Nathan leaves for a day at work, and then Haley tells him not to get changed when he gets home because she's into the whole mechanic thing. Wink, wink. <laughs> We then see Brooke check her credit card at ATM, only to learn she has insufficient funds. We see Nathan meet Keith at work, and they both smile, which was really cute. Aww. I really love that. Then we see Karen walk into class on the college campus, and she is so adorable. Like, she's so cute with, like, a little denim jacket and whatnot. I love her. I love that. She's doing something for herself. I'm glad Lucas, exactly. like, pushed her in that direction. Which, by the way, that uh, college campus is the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. So that was really cute. Um, Beautiful campus, though. And finally, in the last scene, we see Dan and Deb walking up to the house together. But then Lucas comes up behind them. And Deb's like, you know what? I'm going to leave the two of you alone. And then that's what Dan tells Lucas. He can't change their past, but hopes to change the future. And then Lucas helps him walk into the house. And the credits roll. (laughs) That was a really dramatic reading for the coda. (laughs) I don't know. I was just feeling it. I can tell. <laughs> what can I say? Um, but excited to see what comes up next. All right, let's talk about some of our favorite moments. What was your favorite quote? Okay, I like what Nathan said to Lucas. I understand if you have to find out about Dan yourself. Whatever you decide to do, it's not going to affect you and me. He's come between us before. Let's just not let it happen again. Mm-hmm. I just like that scene because it really like, I don't know, it's, it helps, like, develop Nathan and Lucas's relationship. Mm. And they're acknowledging, like, they've come a long way, and they don't want Dan to come in between them. They have their own relationship separate from him, even though, you know, he's both their father. So, I don't know. It just kind of gave me the feels. That is a cute moment, yeah. To finally see these brothers, like, come together after a year. I know. Like, the the progress. I mean, after a year in real time, not after, you know... Montreal Hill time being weird, you know. <laughs> really, it was only a few months. <laughs> but a whole season. Exactly, yeah. And it, I mean, in their time, it's 17 years, I should say, so. Or yeah. a little bit less than that, depending on when they figured out they were brothers. True. What was your favorite? So to, get, to, get, to give a little context before I get into my actual favorite quote, um, Deb enters uh, Karen's cafe to speak with Karen. Deb's like, oh, Dan is getting better. And then Karen's like, oh, that's great news. Let me grab some coffee. And then Deb says, Dan said he wants to come home. And then this is my favorite quote. Karen's like, let me grab some liquor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. I chuckled. So, <laughs> it was a funnier little moment for me. <laughs> You would pick a Debro scene. <laughs> of course I did. 
you know, the two of them are just going to, the two of them were probably uh, getting together, like, you know, to uh, kick back some liquor, and then the two of them decided they're probably, like, you know, sleep together. And you know what? That's great. Good for them. <laughs> oh, I love your little fan fiction <laughs> tidbit of the episode. <laughs> either that, like, okay, maybe not sleep, you know, they either slept together or they gave each other, like, a really erotic massage. Oh. And I'm completely for that. You know what? Go, Debro. You got this. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that chip name. So I'm good. So glad. <laughs> so do our, so do our listeners too. Apparently. <laughs> All, All right. right, musical moment. Musical what is your favorite moment? I had to choose the coda "Kill" by Jimmy Eat World. Nice. Oh my gosh, I just love every Jimmy Eat World song. There, there are future ones. Oh. I won't give any spoilers, but there are future ones, and I, I love this one. There's one particular future one I'm really looking forward to, like coming up soon like soon soon Mm -hmm. and i am so excited (laughs) i just oh just every jimmy world song there's so much emotion Uh uh-huh and that's how i felt there were so many different things happening in the coda in this one i I mean i feel like there always is a lot happening in the coda but like there are some big things going on for sure different relationships karen going on campus I just had the feels. I, I mean, that that's the theme tonight, you know. My favorite <laughs> quote gave me the feels. Jimmy World song gave me all the feels. <laughs> it really it really was cute, yeah. And, and I feel like there was a lot of, like, positivity going on in Dakota this time around, so. With the exception, you know, the whole Lucas and Dan then. That's kind of up in the air about what that means right now. But even that was hopeful. It's, it's hopeful in the sense, like, oh, look at that. They're going to be a real father and son. Yeah. But, you know, we're feeling a little bit weird about Dan at the moment. Mm-hmm. Especially me not remembering what happens. <laughs> what was your favorite song? It wasn't the Coda this time? <laughs> it was not this time. Uh, my favorite one was Let's Get It Started by the Black Eyed Peas, which plays when the girls are partying with the stripper and the bus. Yeah, see, that would have been my favorite if the Jimmy Eat World one wasn't. <laughs> I thought I uh, love yeah. that song. I love that song. I don't know. That was just like such a fun moment. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel nostalgia every time I hear that song. Uh, the censored version, to, to be clear, because the uncensored version, they don't say the word it started. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the few that's one of the few songs where i'm like i like the censored version let's keep it that way <laughs> i think i forgot about that i always forget about it so it comes on and i'm like oh this is a good song and i'm like wait a minute <laughs> then i remember like what the real world word is but yes the song let's get it started um it's i mean it makes me think of like i guess what late middle school early high school for us <laughs> It really is like a throw throwback. I guess it would be middle school. It was, yeah. I feel like that played in our eighth grade dinner ads. Probably. <laughs> yeah, so excellent song and fun moment. I, I would say that was my honorable mention. Excellent. Uh, but what was your overall rating for the episode? So I know he really dissected it, so I don't know if I sh- I'm just going to go with my original rating. <laughs> Four out of five strippers. <laughs> There were just so many strippers in this episode, I couldn't not choose strippers. <laughs> there really were. It was, like, excessive. <laughs> there, there really was. I mean, there, there were only three, if you count the instructor. What? I know, but I just feel You're like... You're like, that's more strippers than I'm used to, Jeremy. <laughs> it was very stripper-centric. Very stripper-centric. <laughs> because they were getting the, the lessons and... Oh my gosh, that was like the whole episode. 
But yeah, mm-hmm. I th- overall, it's a fun episode. Yes, there are problematic things, so it could take it down a notch. But I don't know if I'd give it a three. I feel like a three would be too low. I feel like you're going to give it a three. But I'm going to acknowledge the problematic issues. I really would sure, be between yeah. a three and four. Because overall, it is fun. And I like like I liked the scenes with Lucas and Dan, which had nothing to do with that. And you know, there was stuff like separate from the parties that was good, too. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, you're absolutely correct. I gave it a three. I gave it three out of five. More positive portrayals of sex workers, which I'm pretty sure I've used that rated scale before. <laughs> I think you did. Um, <laughs> but I'm using it again because I'm going to speak my truth. Because the, the episode is still fun if you like try to take it at face value, especially from a 2004 perspective. But like as far as it like holding up, I you know have to take it down a peg or two. Yeah. So that's why I guess a three out of five for me. But still good yeah yeah it's still decent um yeah aside from the patriarchal crap <laughs> yes and also i gotta say you know if you are going to have a bridal shower make sure your groom is also having a groom shower as well <laughs> or just have it combined yeah i'm thinking in very heteronormative terms here too like you know if you're you know if you're a lesbian couple make sure both of you have bridal showers yay <laughs> you know but did I ever tell you, like, my, my one friend, she refuses to have a bridal shower for that reason? That's fa- A lot of people don't have them anymore yeah. because it doesn't make sense. A lot of people already live together before, like, they're married. So it, like, they have yep. everything they need. Because the point is to get gifts. I mean, that's really the whole point. Right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, my friend refuses to have, like, an actual bridal shower. However, like, uh, her potential uh, fiancé, he thinks that, like, you know, like, oh, what if I also had a groom shower? Which I think is a really great way to, like, counteract the whole thing. And she's actually thinking about it now. She's like, hmm, maybe, we'll say. Or you could just call it a wedding shower, and yeah, it's for both sides of the couple. That could be cool, too, yeah, actually. Yeah, take the gender out of it. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Ellenich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So, um, you uh, you wrote down the discussion points for for this week's uh, spoiler segment. 
And I gotta be honest, because, you know, th- that's the theme of tonight. Like, I don't remember anything. <laughs> so, you tell me, what are these points that you have brought up? And then you tell me and reminds me what happens. <laughs> so, towards the end of the season, Lucas starts to become suspicious. Well, he does find out about Jules. He's suspicious of Dan, and he's working with Andy to get dirt on him, basically. And that, that's how they find out about Jules. I can't remember, like, the ori- like why they started to investigate, but that's how they found out about Jules and her name, her real name. And mm-hmm. then there were, like, some, there was some, like, money, financial stuff that was, like, really shady that Dan was into. And remember, he was hiding, like, some folder or something in his office in the dealership. Yeah, which all turned out to be fake as, yeah, like, a way to... Yeah prove lucas's trust or something yeah yep that that was used to basically manipulate but anyway nathan didn't want lucas to look into dan and try to dig further into you know and get the dirt on dan basically he didn't want lucas to continue Mm -hmm. to do that and cause problems and lucas did anyway so basically at the end they're not as on good terms. Oh, uh, and then I re- yeah, and then I remember that in the season two finale, the two of them have a fallen out essentially, and that's when season three gets kicked off, right? They're not like they're not brothers, quote unquote, anymore. Yeah, they just say we're just teammates. We're not brothers. Yeah, and then that doesn't last very long in season three, from what I remember. No, I don't. It doesn't last very long. I can't remember exactly and what happens in season three, but but that's the issue in season two. Mm-hmm. So, once again, Dan is between them. And I feel like Dan, like, as the series continues, Dan, there's always that tension, you know? Because Nathan and Lucas, they do have a good relationship as time goes on, and, like, it's good. But I feel like Dan is always, like, they both have such different perspectives on Dan. Like, eventually, Nathan forgives Dan. Lucas never could. He didn't come to, you know, see Dan when he died, which is understandable. Because Lucas has reason to. But the dynamics between the three of them are just really interesting as the the whole series progresses. Wouldn't you say? For sure. Yeah, I would agree. And Dan gets more and more shitty as the season goes on. Oh my god. That part I do remember. (laughs) Yeah. The second half of the season, like, really kicks up the drama. And I really cannot wait to see, to talk about some of that stuff. It, it gets crazy. And I know I said misspoke a few episodes ago. I think it was, what, the end of season one? It was the season or, one was, recap, I know, because re- I just added it <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> it was a recap then. It's all kind of blending in my head. but um, And I was like, Kaylin, what? <laughs> we all know Dan's worst moment. Like, it's obvious. But, like, in season two, I would say he's, like, almost at his peak. Almost. He's not at his peak. Obviously, that was Keith yeah. killing Keith, but... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I would argue the stuff he does in season two is worse than just, like, outright killing somebody. Because I feel like season three, was like, when he kills Keith, that's, like, the pinnacle of it. And then season, you know, season two, like, that's just, like, that's making people's lives miserable at the end yeah. of the day. Whereas, like, he was ending a life in season three, which that's also terrible. You've ruined other people's lives and... You know, in regard to that, but... But at the weird, like, oh, obviously we'll, we'll go deep into this, but him killing Keith was ultimately what propelled him to change. Yes. Which is, like, really powerful. It's really tragic, but 
that was his worst moment and but we're we're moving to his worst right now like season two is when mm-hmm. he is like really like he's hiring jewels like he's doing all these things is he thinking about that in his hospital bed right now <laughs> and he's just trying to act this way as a you know he's faking his changed demeanor like is he ch- is he faking that yeah, like, I'm really interested in, like, uh, investigating this as the season goes on, too. Like, what is the mo- like, d- does he ever have the Phoenix effect, for one thing? Or does he partially have it? And then once it wears off, he's like, oh my god, I am gonna be evil. And then he twirls his mustache a little bit. Yeah. Or was he always twirling his mustache from the beginning? Because I feel like in the premiere, when he wakes up and he sees Keith and, uh, mm-hmm. Keith and Zeb hugging, yeah. I feel like there's like a little bit of malicious intentions there. He's like, oh gosh, I have plans. Yeah. The way that's that whole scene is filmed makes you believe that like, yeah, he's stowing that away <laughs> for later. Like, I'm going to use that right. to get back at them somehow. Yeah. Part of me wants to believe that like maybe part of, he does have part of the Phoenix effect a little bit, but but remember, I don't know. We also meet Jules in two episodes in two o five. You know what? You're right. It's really soon. So it probably was. Yeah, you're right. It was boiling under. It had to huh. be. Dan twirling his mustache. How dare you? Oh my gosh. But on a lighter note, you also put a note about Brooke's future bachelorette party, and I don't remember this at all. Is that the Hanover episode yes, it, or the Hanover not? Yes, it's the Hangover episode. <laughs> <laughs> What made you think about that? I don't know. I was just thinking of like, because this one was all about the bachelor and bachelorette parties or whatever you want to call them. It just made me think about that episode was so fun in what season eight is when Brooke gets married. Yes. It was the hangover episode. So yeah, they're going back in time trying. I think Brooke lost her wedding ring or her engagement ring. Mm -hmm. And remember they had to backtrack to try to find it. And then she thought she kissed someone else. When she was drunk at her bachelorette party. Yes. <laughs> and she's yeah. all upset about it. And then in the end, she didn't. It's her not to be Julian. It turned out to be Julian. Yeah, it turned out to be Julian. Now that was a real bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yes. <laughs> it was just a fun tidbit because I don't think I was trying. I was trying to think of what other bachelorette or bachelor parties there are in the whole series. And that was the only one I could think of. Right? I believe so, yeah. Because when Haley got married again, she didn't have a bachelor part, a bachelorette part. No, she definitely did not. I don't think she did. Because when, <laughs> when they get married, like, they're so, like, grieving over Keith and whatnot. So I feel like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, they do have a party, but it's like an, it's like an engagement party. But they do the skits. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the only party. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, like, you know, if I ever do get married, I really hope that, like, you know, whoever throws my engagement party will, like, put on skits <laughs> of, like, me and my loved ones, like, past, like, lives. Oh, <laughs> or so past, funny. like, situations together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, you know, Brooke, like, I'm very happy that she got with Julian. She got what she needed, but... It proves that <laughs> you can't always get what she wants. <laughs> like, you know, because she wanted Lucas at first, so you can't always get what she wants. I'm really reaching with this transition here, Caitlin. <laughs> I, I love hearing how you transition. I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love hearing me trying to struggle through it? Yep. <laughs> 
But, oh my God, the fact that I said you can't always get what you want, like, that is so funny because that's also our next episode title. Totally not planned. That was a totally organic transition point. Am I right? (laughs) Excellent. Because next time we're talking about season two, episode four, you can't always get what she wants. And from our OTH DVD box sets, now that he's recuperating, Dan reverts to his old puppet master personality. He's not the only one who can't do the right thing. Brooke shoplifts when her once rich parents teeter on the brink of bankruptcy. We'll be seeing ya.